The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talkback program. Now, many of you may uh, recognize that little tune, that short wee tune. And uh, whose line is it anyway? Is really the look at you? You're giddy already. I am so excited. You're over that. You've been bugging me yes. to get Colin on the show for yes. years. I love Colin. Colin Mockery, uh, comedy writer, improv artist, TV personality, star of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Host of Canada's Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Second City alumni, yada yada yada. It goes on and on incessantly. Just uh, check out his website, ColinMockery.com. Joins us for our Father's Day special. Hi, Colin. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. I really appreciate your willingness to join us. Have you ever done a God show before? Let me think back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Well, thanks. Uh, I do appreciate it. The interviews that I have, have uh, sort of researched you on and, and looked at and read and listened to... Uh, a lot of people uh, go right into the, wow, you're shy and yet you're funny. Does it really matter if one is shy? I don't think so. I mean, it matters if you're on stage and you tend to be in a shell. That's not going to help anybody. No. Uh, I, it was a help for me, um, I guess, personally, uh, getting out there on stage, uh, well, never by myself, always with other great improvisers. It gave me a, a confidence and a, a belief in myself that... Um, I, I don't know if I would have gotten if I hadn't discovered theater. Right. Now, your brother and sister, are either of them uh, wallflowers? Uh, my uh, my brother is very outgoing. He, he was more like uh, my father. I uh, was always the quiet, studious type. He was the guy who was always getting into trouble. Uh, in fact, it got so bad at one point, I actually started taking the rap for him just because I felt so bad for him. <laughs> wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Man. I guess a little thing that I've uh, come across here is that I've heard that although men born on November 30th are usually prone to hair loss, they're, they're also still unusually handsome and brilliantly witty. Uh, you know, I, I have read those findings, and you totally have to agree. There's been some great uh, people born. Uh, Winston Churchill, I yes. guess, went bald. Yes. Dick Clark, yes. he didn't go bald. No. Oh, wow, he is an anomaly then. Uh, that is my birthday as well. Uh, you were married 1989. I was married in 88. Uh, of course, being married that long, I get asked the same question I'm about to ask you. Uh, how has it lasted? How is it? I mean, come on, seriously. Oh, you know, there, I, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to that. No, uh, really. I mean, part of it is um, picking the right person and <laughs> willing to uh, change in uh, ways for the better. And Always remembering it's it's work, hmm. uh, you know. But it's a good kind of work. You, you know, when when you reach a challenge in your professional job, you, you know, it's something that sort of excites you, and you want to get over that hump somehow. And it should be the same with relationships. I feel, and uh, I, I don't think a lot of, I think a lot of people feel when oh, something's going wrong when it's not working, and then they just sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. But uh, Deb and I have worked very hard to keep this going, and it's uh, one of those things that just gets better every year. Hmm. That's good to hear. And I think it is encouraging, uh, sadly so, for our uh, society uh, to come across and I guess people like you and Deb and hear the story and go, wow, that's cool. It can be done. I mean, I just spent three days at Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference and uh, one of the sections was on sex and marriage and love, et cetera, et cetera. And 
you know, somebody said, oh, we've been married eight years, and there was just a round of applause for eight years of marriage. That's not right. No. You should not get applause until 15 years. Thank you. At least 15. That yeah. should be, yeah, exactly. Now, another thing uh, that we have in common uh, is uh, I grew up in a funeral home, and you played an undertaker. Oh, I was thinking, oh, my God, he's found out something that I don't recollect at all. <laughs> no. That's right. I was raised in a funeral yeah, home. Man, what I'm, are those things that flips your mind? Yeah, I haven't thought about, about that in years. Uh, what was the name of that uh, sneaky Fitch or life, death, and uh, life? The, uh, the death and life of Sneaky Fitch. Wow! It's a musical western, uh, <laughs> only performed in high schools in the seventies. Actually, between seventy-one and seventy-three. Right. <laughs> I remember my sister being in a production of like, it was some kind of a gong show thing. By the way, speaking of gong show, has anybody heard from that guy lately? Chuck, what was it Barris? Chuck Barris. Chuck Barris. Was he in the CIA? Uh, not since the CIA thing. Yeah. A scary, uh, a scary bit of information on him. Uh, overly sensitive man. Uh, I think that could be a show, a series in and of itself, right? You think so? I think just every episode would consist of him getting his nipples hardened. <laughs> I don't know how. I really don't see how that could go more than maybe five, five episodes. Five episodes. That's about it. How did that all come about? Doing that on Leno. Uh, it was one of those. I've been so fortunate in uh, you know my life. Uh, they called me up. It was that simple. I met Jay through uh, various functions, and he had uh, been on a Drew Carey show the same time uh, I had. And uh, Brad Sherwood, who I um, uh, tour with, uh, did a lot of sketches with him. And I think actually one of the writers used to work on Who's Line. Hmm. So I think it was her suggestion to use me for overly sensitive men. You know, you get so much work. You're one of the one of the uh, hardest working Canadian comedian guys. I mean, so much. Work. As a matter of fact, I. I found it surprising that Brett Butt took pity on you and, and gave you that cameo in uh, Corner Gas. It was very sweet of him. It was a low point. I hadn't worked for three days. <laughs> Sorry, I was going crazy. <laughs> that was so funny when I uh, when I saw it. So this uh, whole thing accidentally uh, started by you splitting your pants, right? Is that And you've been splitting people's sides ever since? Is that really how it started? Well, uh, you know what? It's one of those things where this story. legend has grown. I don't <laughs> think that actually happened. What happened was, okay. uh, I was playing Mervyn Vale, Undertaker. Mm. Imagine, I, 1971, I, Killarney yeah. High School. The stage is bare, mm -hmm. except for one cowboy. A shot rings out, he falls down. I walk out, and just as I started to walk out, my pants did rip. So I... Uh, you know, being the quick-thinking guy I was, shoved the pants into uh, my bum. <laughs> Which, uh, so most, so most, most uh, comedians' career end uh, because of crack. Yours started. <laughs> exactly. Right? So I shoved it in there, and of course you walk differently. Uh, <laughs> so I... I uh, and of course, once I did that, I got my first laugh, and I thought, oh, okay, this is what I want. And of course, the whole character changed, because I had to walk like that for the entire night. <laughs> Who who are you closer to, uh, Colin? Your buddy Ryan Stiles or your wife Deborah? Because one got you into Second City and one cast you. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'll have to go with the wife for uh, many obvious reasons. Right. Um, you, you want to lock that one in? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, but everything I have is due to Ryan, so obviously uh, there's a closeness there. We we started improv together. That he got. Um, Second City, he was doing Second City at Expo, and then moved up to Toronto to join the main stage there. I moved out a couple of months later, and he called and said, you know, there's this um, audition for the touring company. I've talked to him about you, you should try out for it. So I did, Deb was the auditioner. Hmm. So um, th 
through that, I managed to get a job and a wife. Wow. Okay, so uh, is Ryan a big Charlie Sheen fan these days? Uh, we did a show, uh, Drew Carey has a new show called Drew Carey's and Propaganda in Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, it's basically all the Who's Lying guys, and, uh, which was great. Uh, I hadn't seen uh, a lot of them in a while, so it was nice to get together and just have fun. And one night, um, <laughs> Charlie Sheen showed up. <laughs> uh, Ryan had invited him. And, you know, I said, why don't you come out and do uh, the last uh, improv scene with us? And, you know, Charlie was, and I have to say, very sweet. Hmm. He was very sweet. He uh, I didn't see him have anything um, stronger than water. He seemed a little jittery. But aside from that. <laughs> do you, but do you think it's going to, uh, I don't know, can you talk about this publicly, or does it really matter what Colin uh, Mockery thinks uh-huh. about whether uh, Two and a Half Men are gonna, is going to fly with uh, with uh, Buddy? What's his name? Uh, uh, Ashton Kutcher, yeah. You know what? It, who knows? Uh, you know, the second Darren did okay on Bewitched for a couple oh, of yeah. years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ha- <laughs> That's the comparison? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I couldn't think of anything, like, from this century. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, all I have that and, and, uh, when Valerie Harper was replaced by Sandy Duncan. Okay, these are the kind of references. I tell you, people in their 80s are falling over laughing. Oh, yeah, well, it depends. Uh, You know, it depends, I guess, on the writers, whether the audience, you know, takes to it. I'm I'm guessing there's going to be some interest, at least the first couple of shows. So it's really up to them to grab that audience by the next. I well, I want to see if I want to see if I have my facts right. Did you did you move to L.A. Uh, tried out for Who's Line in Toronto, didn't make it. Moved back to Toronto, then tried out for Who's Line in L.A. and made it. No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. No, that's okay. You know there are all these facts that are out there, and a lot of them are not true. And I have to say, a lot of them have been spread by Ryan. Okay. <laughs> right. Ryan said that uh, you know I um, I dropped out of school. And then we hit the uh, stand-up circuit together, which is a little... It's like, yeah, uh, and I grew up in a funeral home. Yes. <laughs> right. I don't know where... Uh, what happened was I was at Second City. Um, the producers, of, at that point, it was a British show. Uh, we are doing a cross-North America tour. Uh, they saw our show and loved the cast, so had us audition at 8 o'clock the next morning. Prime comedy time. Beautiful. Um, and because we auditioned as a cast, we were doing the things you're supposed to do improv. You know, you're supporting each other, and everyone's working as an ensemble. So no one stood out. So nobody got hired. The next uh, year, we'd moved down to L.A. because Deb had um, uh, gotten a show produced with her writing partner, Linda Cash. And they came through to L.A., and I auditioned. I didn't know anybody, so it was like, hey, screw you, look at me. <laughs> and I think that's something the kids can take away. Thank you. That was that moment was brought to you by Rolo or something. <laughs> something. Okay, so I'm sure people come up to you all the time and say, oh, my favorite Who's Line episode is... Uh, 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 is it the Richard Simmons one? I would have to say it's the Richard Simmons one uh, that people mention the most. Oh. And it's the one that sticks in my mind for reasons I... I yeah. My <laughs> analyst says I shouldn't really get into it. <laughs> when was the last time you curled up into the field position? <laughs> Daily occurrence. Oh. Um, I have to say, uh, I mean, uh, the beauty and the curse of improv is once you've done a scene, it's pretty much gone out of your mind. You don't really remember it. Uh, there are times I'm flipping through channels, I see a Who's Line episode, and I have no recollection of uh, any of it. The Richard Simmons one has stuck in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, um, <laughs> no matter how many showers, nothing. you cannot There's wash nothing. it away. It was one of those, um, 
And I think in the actual show they cut down uh, the re- reaction. I'd never, I never, I can't remember a reaction like that. Uh, certainly from anything I've been a part of uh, on stage, it was amazing. It just went on for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Tim uh, Conway, I spoke to him a little while ago. Uh, he was one of my uh, comedic heroes growing up. Uh, the dentist sketch, of course, uh, always breaking up Harvey Corman. And, and he tells me that, uh, you know, the reason he was able to break up the cast was because he was one of the writers and he saved stuff for when they actually did it uh, unfairly, but humorously. Uh, and the dentist sketch, for example, was uh, kind of boring, and he did, they didn't think it was really going to fly. And he said, no, I got a little something. I think we let's just do it. And so they went ahead and did it. No one knew he was going to do the Novocaine stuff. And that's what killed Corman. That's yeah. what did it. You seem to be the Tim Conway of, of improv. Uh, you know, we're giddy to begin with because, uh, you know, like the audience, we have no idea what's coming up uh, next. So we can easily... I, I mean, I was very fortunate in that I didn't find the rest of the cast funny. <laughs> so that really helped me. That helps a lot right there. Together. Yeah. yeah, I didn't, uh, like, Ryan, I just don't get it. Seriously. Um, so there's also a thing, uh, you can tell when the other person's about to maybe go. And that's when the shark in you goes, oh, oh I could, you know, keep, forget about it, just keep the scene going, keep the integrity of, no, no. I want to destroy it. <laughs> I asked I asked Tim uh, Tim Conway who makes him laugh. He said Don Otts. He told me the funniest story about uh, they were filming um, Apple Dumpling Gang, and and Don uh, says to him, uh, you know, Tim, they were changing in a trailer first thing in the morning. It was cold and everything, and and he said, you know, Tim, uh, I think I'm going to get a bit of a cold here if I keep changing. And Tim says, well, why don't you change into your tutu at the hotel, and we'll you know we'll drive out here. I can change here. I'm fine. This is said, oh, lots of good idea, Tim. So they do the drive out, back and forth, back and forth. Last, you know, it's a wrap for the two two scenes, and they drive back to the hotel, and and uh, Tim says, "Look, I'm going to go down to the pub downstairs, this country hard bar cowboy kind of thing, right by the hotel. I'm going to grab a beer there, and I'll meet you up in the room." Oh, okay, Tim. And he goes up to the room. Tim's sitting there having a beer, and out of the corner of his eye, in comes Don Knotts into this bar filled with cowboys that will kill you, with his tutu on. And walks up to Tim and says, uh, Tim, can I get the key to the room, please? Just, you know, and, and hilarity, right? Just goofiness. And, of course, Tim, click his whip, says, uh, don't you think we should talk about price first? Right? So so who cracks you up? Uh, and, and, and I ask that knowing you're not really much of a laugher, right? Yeah. And and you really like the old slapstick stuff, uh, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. Oh, yeah. If, um, it, it doesn't have to be a famous person. If, uh, you know, a person walks into a light post, I am on the floor. <laughs> I love seeing people hurt themselves. Such a gentle, kind soul. It's very cruel, I understand. <laughs> I, you know, I wish I could say, oh, you know, the novels of Oscar Wilde and oh, No Coward, very, no. If someone gets hit in the genitalia with something big, I'm, that's good for me. <laughs> so you're a big fan of America's Funniest Videos then, apparently. Yeah, yeah. If it just had those shots, yeah. it was all the build-up and everything, yeah, that was too far. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, actually, here's a segue. Speaking of tutus, uh, Mr. Peanut, the Pillsbury Doughboy, Tony the Tiger, and the Double Mint Twins. Yeah. Uh, if I were the Nabisco Snack Fairy, I would have boycotted that New York advertising icon parade. Oh, it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty bizarre, I have to say. <laughs> I get there, and, you know, they give you your tutu, and then we go into this room, and there's everybody getting ready. There's the Doublemint Twins and, uh, you know, the Keeper Elves and everybody. And then somebody from um, 
the company comes up and says, okay, no matter what you do, you cannot be seen with the Keebler elves. They are your enemy. <laughs> what? What? Well, so, so because they're another company. And I said, so if they come you? to me, I have to snub them? <laughs> and I said, yeah, just walk away. So I thought, well, okay. <laughs> uh, we go, you know, we're walking around, and I'm, you know, avoiding the elves. Uh, the Michelin guy had a leak in his thing, and they put a nozzle in the stupidest no. place. I know. And so I'm looking at three guys doing something to the Michelin man. Uh, Juan Valdez is there with his donkey. He gives me a thumbs up. Big fan. Uh, we're on. I'm on the top of a double decker bus, and there's me, and there's a jolly green giant. Someone dressed as the uh, yellow pages. All of us have uh, wranglers to make sure we don't hurt ourselves. Which is for the yellow pages, because they have to pull him down every time they come close to a traffic light. <laughs> so we're riding along Madison, and you know, New Yorkers, they just kind of look. Oh yeah, that's the uh, oh, wow. And all I can hear is, "Hey, Mister Clean. Hey, Yellow Pages. Hey, Colin." <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, I'm a, I'm a snack fairy. Yes. Mm, wow. What a highlight. It what really a is. highlight for you. What's it like having the uh, the soul of a song and dance man, but basically you're just one big, you know, unsalted cracker. You don't have the equipment. Yeah, it's very. Uh, I have to say, it's very frustrating hmm. uh, because I I really would love to be in a musical. I uh, I, I I've actually had two offers. And uh, one was when the producers came to town. Uh, I mean, they didn't offer. They said, are you interested? And I said, you know what? Uh, I, I would love, I just, the singing thing could ruin it for you. <laughs> <laughs> because, I, you know, his songs are songs that are usually done by people who sing. Mm -hmm. um, so I took some lessons, and I decided, you know, I can't. I, I, I just can't. Uh, and then I got another offer to do a hairspray. Uh, which I thought was very flattering, mm -hmm. the 450-pound woman who... And I, uh, I, I said no again, and uh, it went to George Went. So it all worked out. <laughs> On the phone with uh, Colin Mockery. Colin, uh, uh, Mom and Dad still going strong. My apologies for, for not knowing. Oh, um, that's all right. My father uh, passed away about five years ago. Five years ago, okay. Uh, mother's still going over in BC. Over in BC. Okay, the time of your father's passing, I'm sure, obviously, uh, uh, not the greatest time. Was it a surprise? Was it a shock? Uh, was it, uh, you know, can't? I mean, what what was behind all that? Because, and, and were you guys even close? Um, we had gotten closer in later years. Growing up, he was a uh, um, a stubborn a Scottish old male, country Scottish guy. You right, know, right. Uh, he he loved us, but he was very. Uh, uh, tough, a tough shell to crack. And then um, he had a stroke about, uh, I guess, 10, 15 years ago, mm. which actually uh, brought us closer together because he he mellowed. He found he couldn't rein in his emotions as much, so uh, dealing with that. So we actually uh, got close. Wow. And uh, we were, uh, Deb, our son and I and some friends, we were at a uh, ski weekend. And uh, my father had been battling cancer and was doing fine. Uh, he was admitted to the hospital. They thought he, uh, he might be catching pneumonia. And, uh, you know, I kept, every day I was talking to my mother, should we be out there? My, I could hear my dad yelling in the background, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> and then we got a call the next day saying he had passed away uh, oh, wow. through the night. Wow. So uh, it was a shock. Uh, 
it's still one of those things I find it hard to believe that he's gone, but it was uh, it was an interesting time. I, I got really close to my brother during that time. Uh, of course, we were on a ski trip, so we didn't have any uh, funeral clothes, so we had to go to Holtz Renfrew, and the guy kept saying, your ass looks so good in that those pants. What? <laughs> I know. I thought, well, and how do I say, well, you know, I'm at a funeral. I'm not looking to... <laughs> Oh, but man. he just kept pushing it until my son at one point said, it's really making me uncomfortable. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, at this point I'll take any kind of a compliment. Yeah, yeah. You get to that point in life where, you know, that is a an encouragement. Uh, it, now, speaking of encouragement and getting encouragement, uh, your son, Luke, uh, does he sort of still encourage you by saying things like, yeah, that was funny the first time you made it up? Yeah. He's, uh, he's pretty good. He is, how, how old is he now? He's... 20. He'll be 21 in uh, September. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say he's been really, uh, really good. He, he's just been in New York for the last three years going to school down there. Oh, good for him. Which uh, I think was the making of him. He uh, really matured, and he's uh, just a pleasure to be around. We have a lot of fun. Growing up, uh, when did you move over from Scotland? What age were you? Six. Um, I, having spent an enormous amount of time in Scotland myself, uh, if, if the weather wasn't so rubbish, I would consider seriously moving there. Uh -huh. um, quite a love affair with it. Uh, but church is really part of people's lives over there. Did you grow up going to church? Uh, no. My parents made me go to Sunday school, um, and then I think they just went back to bed. <laughs> so it wasn't something that... It wasn't a family affair. Not really. It was no. just a reason... I, Get the kids out of the house for the half the half the day. So I, I didn't really grow up with a um, foundation a, a of faith. Strong or, foundation. Yeah. Uh, Deb is very um, involved with. Uh, she's with the United Church. She's in the choir. She's part of a lot of fundraising um, uh, things like that. And she really has a strong spiritual side. So I just you know live off her. <laughs> I'm a parasite. I'm a spiritual parasite. Well, I had I had Strombo on the show primarily because uh, I, I well his mom uh, listens to my show. Hello, Mrs. Strombolopoulos. Hello. And I knew that her faith. She was a woman of faith, but I knew that George was not a woman or of faith. <laughs> and uh, and I wanted to hear why. You know, it's, I mean, to me, I'm always just fascinated with with uh, people's spiritual journey. I don't really give a holy grunt where it's at. I just you know, what, has it ever ever been? Uh, something that's uh, had any gravitational force for you whatsoever, Colin? Would you la would you label yourself an agnostic or an atheist or you know what? Uh, I'm not sure what I am. I used to belong, well, not belong, but I used to go to this uh, spiritualist church mm -hmm. um, uh, every once in a while. It was basically you would go and um, sit, and there'd be a medium who would give you messages from people. I, I, I was that Benny Hinn's? Pardon? Was that Benny Hinn's church? Is no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, so it was. It was interesting in that you know uh, I tried to go in with an open mind, mm. and some things were said to me that I thought, okay, well that's uh, well that seems amazing, and then uh, things were told that actually happened. Uh, and my brother-in-law just had his house haunted. I just said, okay, wow. I'm starting to sound like the weird guy. <laughs> It's okay. Okay, I believe there's something out there. I have faith. Uh, you know, I'm not a big guy on organized religion. Uh, I have trouble with things that have been interpreted by man. Mm -hmm. You know, having played the telephone game. Yes. So I don't know. You know what? 
what's going on. But I, I believe that there is a power greater than all of us. Right. Okay, so uh, a lot of people, when they have father issues, also have God issues, because there's a similar kind of a connection, mm -hmm. if you understand that uh, kind of dynamic. So if there's a God, Father God, or whatever, and my father, as soon as you use the word father, I think, oh my goodness, uh, you know, I, I sort of attribute those attributes to the, the God that you, somebody is selling these days. Mm -hmm. Is there any correlation in your life in that story at all, or none? What's no, I'm, I, as you're saying this, I'm actually thinking, I probably did get a little more... Um, searching for uh, things like that once my father passed away right. uh, and our relationship uh, had changed from mm -hmm. when I was growing up to uh, till he passed so you know I think we're always searching my uh, I always my only thing is I just try to be good yeah because I figure it'll come back and probably with more money <laughs> I hope so I really do uh, but I, you know, here's the thing. I, the good people, and I've heard from countless others uh, who know you, and uh, we uh, stand around uh, talking about you. Uh, they, you know, people say nice stuff about you, and I don't want to paint you as this angelic uh, uh, thing. How come? <laughs> I don't. That's it's just pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it really is harder. I might be wrong, but I think it's harder for really nice, good people. To uh, to see a need for God in their life, you, you know what I mean. It's always like I used to be an axe murderer. I decided I wanted to stop killing people with axes, so I need Jesus or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I find you know it, it all comes down to taking responsibility for your life and what you want your life to be. Right. I want my life to be as stress free as possible and filled with as many good things. And of course, that doesn't always happen because you know life happens. But there has to be some foundation there, whether it's your family, whether it's your faith, uh, whether it's your friends. There has to be, you can't do it by yourself. Right. And I, I, I mean, I've been very fortunate with the people that I have in my life, uh, the woman that I married, the son that I raised, uh, the two dogs. I'm not too crazy about, but <laughs> if there's a holocaust cost or something, I can eat them. <laughs> Right. Always looking the bright side. Oh, that's very shiny of you. Very shiny. Well, look, from the first time we uh, shook hands at David Shore's Monkey Toast to this particular moment right here from one November 30th guy to another, thank you, for first of all, for not saying Salty Monkey on my show. I appreciate oh. that. Well, the censor says it's fine now. No, that's okay now? Yeah. Got the official memo. Thank you. Thank you for being um, a, a good representative of a husband uh, as a father. And as a Canadian, I'm proud to say that you are those things. I mean, you just well done, well done. Well, thank you so much. Do I, I get a plaque or something? I, gold watch, a pen. I don't iPad. I no easy. That's that's Moses Neimer's conference. You're at the wrong uh, uh, wrong yeah. wrong conference. Yeah. Okay. But thank you. And and uh, for Father's Day tomorrow, I, you know, there's a part of me that says, or that's I guess I'm kind of thinking. I'm glad it sounded like things uh, got a little more restored with your dad before he passed. Yes. And, yes, it's all good. Yeah, and that's a that's a great way to celebrate Father's Day as opposed with uh, you know to all the to all the regrets out there that a lot Absolutely. of people have. So, uh, Colin Mockery, thanks for your time and, oh, thank and you so much. sharing a bit of your life with us. Anytime. Okay, take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye. I should have said Happy Father's Day. Forgot to say Happy Father's Day. Very likable man. Very likable man. Jeez. Yeah. Stay with us.
Hey, folks, I want to tell you about the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. You ready for this? For 1250, that's right, only $12.50, we'll mention your organization's name, website, and a brief description. Did you catch that? During each show, we'll read out your organization's name, website, and a brief description for only $12.50. Now, obviously, there's no point in doing that only once during a four-hour show, so we'll read your advertisement four times per show for an entire month, and each time we do it, it'll only cost you $12.50. It's kind of like putting an advertisement up on every church bulletin in the GTA, except you don't have to get permission from that grumpy old lady at the front desk. Now look, because there are limited spots available for our 1250 special, why don't you call us right now, toll free on 877-JOY-1250. Now sure, we're right in the middle of things here in the show, but if you call us right now, toll free on 877-JOY-1250, we'll take your name and number and call you back on Monday to sign up for the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. This is nuts. Are you sure we want to do this? How am I supposed to make any money?